What's the fastest mammal out there? On the ground, it's no doubt that a cheetah wins with a top speed of about 120 kilometers an hour. But how about in the air? The Mexican free-tailed bat can reach up to 160 kilometers an hour powered solely by its own wings. And although a peregrine falcon, often considered the fastest bird out there, can reach an impressive 300 kilometers an hour, but that's only in a dive. While flying normally, the peregrine falcon maxes out at about 100 kilometers an hour. Welcome to Two Thirds Focused, or maybe it's Three Quarter Focused now, because we have bonus focus with us. My name is Rasmus. My name is Red. And I'm Jan. And I'm John. Yeah! John. We have the one and only, or the one and only John D. Harvey, at least. Well, yeah. I've, I've heard. There are many, many Johns. Not like so, you. John, how the fuck are you? I see daylight outside your window, and I know time travel is real. Yeah, it is. So you you are you're seeing white. It is actually pretty uh, rainy weather here today. So, um, but not snow. So there's that, and probably very different from no- Norway. Actually, uh, all of the snow here just rained away over the past week. We had twenty oh, centimeters, okay. and then yeah, I don't know. Global warming so, happened, I guess. It's it's a beautiful so, weather in Europe. Good. Oh yeah, it's like between minus four and plus fourteen, rain, snow, ice, <laughs> nice mix. Yeah. So we are talking about the weather now. Yeah, we're Is talking that, about the weather. Um, we have an American on. We have to. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can also go back <laughs> from my vacation in Thailand. Where? <laughs> That's right. That's right. How are you, John? What? How has been your first, almost first week in this? Brand new year. So it it has been a lot more relaxing than the last month of last year because I think similar to Rasmus, I was rushing to get deliveries out for Christmas and trying to make customers happy and and occasionally making customers unhappy when they change their orders at the last minute. Um, Which is always fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's like I know I asked for five sets of chopsticks, but could you get me ten? And uh, <laughs> not before Christmas, uh, so which is which is fine. It's nice to have people asking for more rather yeah. than asking for less. Um, so I'll, I'll um, I'm happy. I'm happy that is going on rather than the opposite. But yeah, no, it's so now I'm kind of backfilling. A lot of the post-Christmas orders, a lot of the stuff where I told people, I'd, you know, I'd love to get you that, but it needs to wait until after the new year. So I'm working on that stuff now. And John, just um, going back about that, you saying the chopsticks and your orders that you're pushing out. For the off chance that there are some people that are listening to the podcast for the first time, could you do a short explanation and what you do? <laughs> <laughs> who, the, who the hell are you exactly um, like yeah who the fuck are you <laughs> yeah 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 well at least now i know i can say fuck on this podcast oh which yes is, we can oh yeah be very helpful. um so i'm a fucking blacksmith uh, <laughs> <laughs> i like i like this conversation already yeah so i i operate under the uh online and company named jdh metalcraft 
So you can find me on Instagram and the socials under JDH Metalcraft or John D. Harvey. Uh, one of them will get you, will get you to me. Um, I basically, I, I have a blacksmith shop, a metal shop out of East Providence, Rhode Island in the United States. I am primarily right now working on smaller forgings like chopsticks, bottle openers, kitchen stuff, household stuff. Uh, mailbox brackets, bookcase brackets. Um, I am also now the proud new owner of uh, an 800-pound sea anchor made out of wrought iron. Oh, so yeah, that, yeah. Is, that has been a new addition to the shop. And that is one thing um, of beauty, yeah. A bit big for yeah. weight, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's Yeah, so my, my buddy called me up and said, hey, I, I found some wrought iron for you. It's, it's a... It's a sea anchor um you know i i think it's about five or six feet long you want it and i was like yeah pick it up and he brought it over and this thing was hanging he has an extended pickup and it was hanging out the back of his pickup <laughs> with both arms like out beyond the tail lights like like, like so people wide, like, like so wide if he had driven past mailboxes he would have committed a federal crime. <laughs> <laughs> and that's legal in the u.s to drive like no, that no but it, but he said it, did discourage, it discouraged tailgaters oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's a good point yeah yeah so so he pulls up to my shop and and i look at it and i'm like what what the fuck is wrong with you? Where, where are you from? Where that's five or it's a nine, it's nine feet long. Wow. Jesus. It is What? a nine foot long sea anchor probably came off of a new Bedford whaler um, mm. from the 19th century. Possibly uh, it could be significantly older and off of a much larger ship. Um, but it is, it is wrought iron Um But it it also comes with the burden of trying to figure out what do I do? I mean, I, I just wanted some wrought iron that I could rip apart and make things. Mm. And now I've got a piece of history. Yeah, that was my next question. What what are you planning to do with it? Because I have no idea. I have no idea. Um There, there is there is a range of opinions out there, because when you post something like this, you will get a range of opinions from the yeah. Internet, which is great um, <laughs> oh yeah and, internet and, opinion is the best opinion yeah and some of those opinions are pull it apart and make great stuff other opinions are keep it intact you know it's a piece of history mm. and and i understand that latter opinion but it's a nine foot long six foot wide piece of wrought iron And it's this isn't something I can like put over my door for good luck or hang off of a Christmas tree. It would be great as a shop sign outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would. It would. Unless but but it, you get it's a little it. large for that. Yeah. You can so, you can put a chain on it and like tie your pickup truck to it and use it as like. It would be awesome if I owned a galleon, but I don't. Um, yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I I think if I do pull it apart, it's only going to be a partial tear apart. Um, I may try to find something where I can I can do something with the bottom part of the anchor, uh, the junction between the shank and the arms and, and the blades that come out and try to keep that intact because it is really cool. 
I've seen a, a, a lot of tables made with anchors uh, yeah. in one part of the country because it, it's uh, the northwest part of the country yeah. uh, where we have a lot of arbors and old ships and stuff. So people tend to um, get them for really cheap and, and turn them into, into a dining table. Uh, and it's uh, like a conversation, conversation starter um, in, in, a, in a party or evening. So um, could do that as well. So John, that wrought iron has like wonderful, like deep, like grooves in it. Could you yeah. please, just for the fun of it, put like, two bottles of epoxy resin next to it and just make a picture for Insta. Just like, <laughs> guess what I'm making? <laughs> oh, that's the rattle people, huh? Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll get a lot of hits. That'll well, get I'm, a lot of hits. I'm just going to have your post open the whole day just to read the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's called antagonizing the internet. <laughs> Honestly, something that could be kind of cool is to just get take the take the bottom cross piece, yep. cut it off, stick on a base, have it upside down so the arms go outwards. Yep. Have that as a support for a table, and maybe even just have a big glass table on it. Yeah. So that was that was one of the ideas that I had, and and I love uh, I love that I've been able to turn this podcast into a workshop on what to do with my pound <laughs> anchor. Apparently, none of us has done anything this week. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so the other thing I've been thinking of, although this is kind of ridiculous, is to incorporate that same part, keep it upside down, but put it, make it part of a a bed headboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that'd be, that'd be a statement. Yep, that's so. There, there's that. I mean, it it does come with the caveat that you have to get your bedroom like checked out by a structural engineer. <laughs> yeah. You know, unless you want your second floor bedroom to become a first floor bedroom rather suddenly. <laughs> but I mean, depending on your habits in the bedroom, that might be a good idea anyway. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Okay. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> So, so, so that is that has been kind of you know I've got that in the shop so I've got to yeah. think about what to do with that. Um, I am also so you know my shop is kind of a work in progress constantly. It is never done. Yeah. Um, you know I I set it up uh, early in the pandemic, which was an interesting time to go out looking for shop space. Um, but I was able to find the space early in the pandemic after a lot of challenges because everybody loves a blacksmith until he becomes your next door neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then a blacksmith is a giant dickhead, um, because it's all the smoke, all the noise, all the, you know, other types of stuff that go along with it. I mean, so, they wanted to rent to a blacksmith, not actually a blacksmith that does blacksmithing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fortunately, I found a space in East Providence. My landlord is 100% on board with what I'm doing, nice. you know, loves that, you know, was willing to poke a hole in the ceiling to put in a coal forge. I'm I'm bringing in some equipment uh, later, probably next week, uh, including a new, uh, well, new, new to me fly press and oh, a nice. Um, and a much larger gas forge. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Yep. So you're still in the in the 
in the process of setting up your workshop as you want it in order to be more efficient and all that stuff. Yeah, it, I mean, it is, uh, it's, I don't, I don't think anybody is ever done setting up their workshop. Um, I, I think it's always going to be a, a work in progress depending on what you're doing, what you're working on, uh, what your interests are, how they change, how equipment changes. Um, so I, I think it's always going to be a work in progress. Uh, it has to be. And that's the conclusion to today's topic, how to set up your <laughs> workshop exactly. with John Army. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually I would really like to know, John, um, something because you had a different workshop before you basically had experience about when you're setting it up. So do you, did you have like a master plan? Like, did you know, or do you already know exactly where everything goes or are you just going, it's like, well, I got space, let's fill it. <laughs> so putting my name right next to the words master or plan is, is highly spurious. Um, so no, not really. So I, I basically, so my progression has been, I actually, I, I did not start doing this until relatively recently. I've only been blacksmithing for, I think, somewhere between five and seven years, somewhere in there. Um, I started out at the Steel Yard, which is a makerspace industrial arts center in Providence, Rhode Island. I took a class on a whim, absolutely loved it, took all the classes, started going to their open studio nights. So my first forge was there. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, I, I didn't want to take time off because they shut down in the winter. So I sublet space from another guy in Providence and I was in that shop for a while. Um, and I learned a few things about running a shop there, how to set things up. Um, but it was primarily his shop. And so when he moved to another location, which was much smaller and not enough room for me, I was like, well, Guess I'm going to set up a shop. And uh, so off I went on my hunt. So so this is my third home, but my first shop. Okay. Mm. So I have a question based on what you just said. What would be your take on, on uh, working in a shared workshop and then um, setting up your own? Uh, because it's very different. Uh, and I talk by, from experience to be alone on your workshop and to share a space with someone else doing more or less the same thing. Yeah. So what, what, what's, what was that experience for you? So when you're in someone else's shop, the benefit is that all the equipment is there. Um, you know, there's obviously like agreements on how, how to use it, when to use it, because the shop I was in, I mean, it, it wasn't a learning center. It was a shop producing work for customers. Yeah. So I had to work around uh, the other blacksmith schedule. I had to, you know, but I had access to a power hammer. I had access to a uh, much larger fly press. I had all sorts of, you know, other tools available to me. The downside is that you do have to work around somebody else. And, you know, for example, when I finished up at the end of the night, I had to pack everything up and move it into like more my corner of the shop 
And then when I came back in, I had to pull it out and set it up again. So there was there was no such thing as just kind of leaving my tools and my projects out. Yeah. Mm. Did did you did you learn something from the people you were working with over there, or was it like you do your thing, they do their thing, and there is absolutely no collaboration or exchange of information of any kind, or were you able to learn from just watching them work, or did you get did they gave you tips or whatever? So it was a little from column A and a little from column B. I I worked independently a lot of the time. At the same time, I I could, you know, go to the gentleman who owned that shop and say, what do you think of this? Mm. What do you think of that? And get some tips and hints. Uh, there were there were some instances where I was actually able to help him out mm. with various projects that he needed done. So so I, I was kind of occasional um, labor and help for him. So. Okay. I think that is the most important thing. If you're going to sublet space from someone else, um, you need to make sure that you get along mm -hmm. and kind of like any marriage, you also kind of have to think about an exit plan if things go, go wrong. Yeah. And, and so, you know, because sometimes, you know, like in the instance with the shop I was in, Uh, I was there for a couple of years and he was downsizing. So I wasn't going to be able to make the transition over at, at the same time. We, we were starting to get tired of each other. Yeah. yeah that, that, that happens after a while. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And, and it just, which is, which is why in my shop, I have been asked uh, several times if I would be willing to sublet space out to another blacksmith and and my answer so far has been no no because i like my space i like leaving my stuff out wherever i want it i i actually and especially with the last couple of years with covid yeah it's just been an unwise idea to have you know different people coming in using your tools using your sure. equipment Um, but, but even besides that, it is, it's, it's kind of a sanctuary for me. So I'm not sure if I'll ever like sublet out to somebody else. Same thing for you, Raz and Jan? Is it, is your shop your sanctuary and, and a space that you are not willing to share with anyone or, or, or would you see yourself working with other people in the, sh in the shop? In, in, in my case, it's, it's very much a sanctuary, even though I spend like almost every single minute I can out there. Yeah. Uh, and I do already spend most of the time alone. So it's like, it's not that much of a sanctuary from other people. It's more like just uh, sort of a private bubble to just be in my own world and with the yeah. podcasts and all of that. But at the same time, doing a lot of teaching, I have a lot of people coming into the shop. Well, not huge numbers, but sort of frequent groups. And I love that. I love just being, being there and like demonstrating for a couple of minutes and then walking around for a couple of hours, pointing and grunting at people. I absolutely enjoy that. Uh, and then the whole thing of sort of getting the blacksmithing as, uh, back into the public sphere and getting more people introduced to it means that I really want to have a space where people can come and do their own thing. But it needs to be separate from our own little world, so to speak. Uh -huh. yeah. So my next dream shop would be like 
one big room to teach classes in and that I can sublet and let other people come in and have a go and just, yeah, you do your thing. You can have free access to all the tools here. Here's my room. Come knock and ask me if you have any questions. But mm. this is mine. This, this the is sanctuary in the back. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I never had that question like with the workspace I have down there because it's uh, basically it's a closet size. I mean, I treat my workshop more like a toolbox than an actual workspace. I mean, you can technically fit three people in there if you walk in, like, but one of them has to sit on the workbench. <laughs> yeah. It's and they all have to be can, really if, good friends. If I'm standing in my workshop, I cannot fall without basically, or I can touch every wall within my workshop. Like, this is the, the magic of a wide angle lens. I like to say that. And also yeah. using like, uh, one wall is like wood framed. The other one is with a stick on like glue on wallpaper and the other one is concrete and the other one is the door. Yeah. So it's wherever I point my camera, it always looks like <laughs> I'm in, in a different part in the room, <laughs> but, but, but it's really just me turning around like 180 <laughs> degrees and filming in the other direction. <laughs> so yeah. people couldn't go to work with you in your workshop, but do no you see chance. yourself? Yeah going into someone else workshop to work, to do your thing over there, like in a shared space, um, a maker space or whatever? Um, yes and no. Um, it would strongly depend on, I, if I would know, like there's, there's a lot of projects I can't do because of the size of my workshop. So if I'm getting the chance to, but then it's like John said, and I'm, I'm kind of used to that from my work as a service engineer basically you have all your stuff in a toolbox you go there in the beginning of the day you unpack everything you do your project and then you pack everything away and you store it aside because other than that it's usually not possible i hate if people leave their stuff like laying around i have the luxury of doing that in my workshop and it looks like a freaking bomb hit it but this is because it's my workshop and even yeah. i get sick of it and then like once a week i just go in there and spend half a day just sorting stuff away so for me for the next time i have a project i can just walk in and start working on it um i especially like if i want to go bigger it would be something i would love to get into machining or get more machines like a bigger laser cutter cnc stuff like that and be maybe because it's like of the german apprenticeship and everything i am used to having that stuff stuff like that like spotless if you leave mm -hmm. chips they're gonna rust if you like at the end of the day you just like clean everything down and if i find somebody that has a shop like that that is willing to share machinery and is also has the same level of cleanliness then i would be more than willing but this is mm -hmm. like it's not like winning the lottery but it's hard to find yeah and there are no shared spaces where i live around here so <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I no. think it's, go on john sorry so how how kind of how i scratch that itch um is i i continue to teach so i started i learned at the steel yard now i teach there Mm -hmm. So that's very nice because I can go someplace else, like a whole other facility and teach and get that time with other people, other makers, students, and, and it doesn't have to cross contaminate into my shop at all, which, which I actually like a lot because people, you know, also ask me about teaching and I just send them straight to the steel yard and they they book classes or they can book a custom class with me if they want to. And I just do everything out of their shop. Um, 
I'll also point out, you know, and I don't, I'm not sure how this works over in Europe or in your various countries in Europe, but there is also insurance concerns. Yep. Once you start <laughs> Never heard about it. it. Yeah, yeah, you might. <laughs> you might in the future. <laughs> um, but there are also insurance concerns when you teach out of your shop or have other people working out of your shop. There was a really nice um, German guy at the Maker Fair in Hanover who actually had like a panel just talking about how to set up makerspaces in Germany and all the rules and regulation. And basically there are different states where you can't even do it because just of the laws and how the insurance works there. Yep. So oh. it's really difficult. There's been a makerspace where well, there is a makerspace in my hometown now, but it's not physically a makerspace. It's just basically Arduino programming, stuff like that, uh, online courses. And it's basically it's it's pretty new. And there are they were looking for a location for a makerspace, but uh, then COVID hit. So they've been on doing everything digitally. So I want to go and get in touch with them, especially if they want a physical location, if they're looking for one, that would be something interesting. Then on the other side, I think this is going to be a room with mostly like a training room and a couple of th uh, 3D printers and maybe a soldering station, which that only is like the most dangerous stuff you can have. So there are not going to be any CNC machines or stuff like that. And that is something I would, love to participate in as being like a shared workspace where there's actually heavy machinery but that's like impossible by uh, Kiel um, has I think something like that in Hamburg where they have like the wood um, yeah, house dry house dry exactly yeah like the the, the house number three and um, they have carpenter equipment down there but basically they always have to be a person there that is trained in that and they're basically using the heavy machinery and nobody of the guests that are using it. So you can rent your workbench, but you're not allowed to use the gigantic table saw they have in there. I have a question for you, Jan. Mm -hmm. When you are looking for a makerspace that you want to join, mm -hmm. are you actually going mostly for the social or actually more for getting a hold of the bigger toys and being able to play with them? No, because there's not going to be bigger. Like if they would have bigger toys, then it would be partly for the bigger toys, but it's mainly uh, for the social aspect. Hmm. I don't have any, any makers living in my home. Well, there, there are some. They're not on YouTube. I have a couple of friends of mine that are, are also tinkering. So um, it's it's fun to talk about projects with them, but I would like to expand that a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. How about you guys? Red? Um, I like to work alone. It <laughs> sounds how's, a little bit. How, how's the situation at the moment with your shop? Yeah, it's it, it's it's it sounds very very antisocial and and all of that. But well, as you said, my shop for me is my sanctuary. But I'm I'm lucky enough to have like three shops, so to speak. I have this room where I'm doing all my leather working. Mm -hmm. I have the the small forge outside uh, in front of the house, and the, these two spaces are mine and mine only. Nobody goes there or, or comes there when I'm when I'm working uh, maybe sometimes my kid just to say hello and see what I'm doing but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm mainly alone and I can then focus on what I am doing and just be in the zone and, and in my project um, the third shop so to speak that I have is the garage that I'm I'm sharing with my dad 
And when I'm working there is often also working there in, on different projects, different stuff. So it's what you've said. I have to keep it clean. I have to uh, push my tools aside when, when he's, he's turned to work and when he's working on something that requires more space. Um, so it has to be more or less tidy all the time. Uh, at least that's a rule that I keep in mind. I probably... I, has forgotten it, but we, we, we do our best to just, uh, share it, uh, smartly, uh, and, and, and just be able to work together. And, and recently we are more working together on the same project than we are working together in the same garage or shop on different stuff, uh, mainly because we are fixing my car right now and, and, and so on and so on. Um, but what it taught me over the years, because it's been a few years we are w w since we started sharing that shop, and, and before that I was working on my own, I was all alone for many, many years. It taught me that that um, having someone can be um, difficult someone sometimes because you have to uh, put your tools uh, aside away and keep it clean and, and all that, that jazz. And when you are focusing on something, uh, maybe it can be um, bad for your uh, concentration to have someone working or talking to you and asking for stuff. Uh, but it's also great because I, I learned a lot from my dad, just uh, asking for advice or just him uh, asking what I'm working on and, and just uh, giving me input like, oh, that's that's not a smart way to do it, but I would have done it differently because his background is very different. He's, he's, uh, he was teaching mechanics, so he's, he's really smart about all the mechanic aspect of things. And and for me, it's more like I have to make it work and and it work. Uh, but it's it. What I mean is the approach is very different. The point of view is very different. So it, it can give me great input and ideas to um, put uh, into my project. So yeah, that that's also a good thing to be sharing space with someone. I I have to wonder because it is it is one level of challenge to share a, a shop with someone. It has to be another level of challenge to share a shop with your dad. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, yes, it is because um, at at first it was his shop. Um, it was established for the past. Uh, when did they build this house? Like in, in like for the past hundred years ago? No, just forty. But it's it was a long time ago. Uh, forty forty years. It's been his shop and his shop only. So me coming back from abroad and just putting all my tools inside. First, we had to find room for it. So suddenly the shop got smaller for him. Uh, and, and he was like, okay, yeah, put your tool there and start doing your stuff. But I know that it could have been, it has been kind of difficult for him to giving space away because he was used to have this big garage and now he just had half of it. Um, so that, that was a bit of a difficult thing at the beginning. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I had only a few tools at the beginning. So I was constantly using his tools, which, and he's like every single one of us did my tools. That's my, my thing. Don't <laughs> touch it or return it or just be careful with it. We, we, we are precious about our tools, which is, which is 
absolutely normal. Uh, but he was, he, he never complained about me, uh, using his stuff. And now he's borrowing my tool, which is kind of great because he, that, that's a way to recognize that the one I, ha I have are better than the one he owns. Um, so it's kind of a recognition as well. But yeah, um, it, it's difficult. Uh, aside from that, it's also difficult because when you have a fight in your family, you have something, it, it's not going well in, uh, in the personal aspect of things. You bring that too in the shop. So, uh, for your focus, for your, your, um, mental health and, and just the, the atmosphere of the shop, uh, it's kind of, it, 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 you have to take that into consideration and the choice of music, man. Oh God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's the worst. I mean, I mean, it just, it just push on or start on the radio and, and the first station that's good for him because that's, that's radio, that's music, that's background. But the first station here is like the very old music with accordion and, and something that I just can't listen to for four hours. Um, so yeah, I have, I have my, I have, I have my word to say about the music choice, <laughs> but other than that, it's, it's sometimes has been difficult, but it's, it's mainly been great because as I said, I've, I've learned a lot just watching him work and, and uh, asking for advice and, and him giving me some advice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been um, great. But I'm, I'm curious though, uh, sort of moving forward when you move house and get a new workshop. Yeah. Have you already started to plan out and figure out how you want to furnish that and set things up? Like you, you have a certain system and routine in the space, yeah. you're talking only to leather working space, sort of. Yeah. That's the workshop yeah. you're bringing with you. Yeah. So, how many plans or how much of a dream shop do you want to make that over there? Like, how? Oh, it's all a, set up. Do you have a plan? Oh uh, yeah, it's all done in my head. I I know exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do over there. I I it's a <clears throat> in a, in a few words, it's it's going to be um, a small uh, room. It's a, a, actually uh, um, a three bedroom apartment. So one for us and one for the kid, and the one in the middle will be my my work workspace, my shop. Um, so it's basically a bedroom. Um, I have the the door, and on the opposite side you have the window. So I have two walls to be working on. Um, so basically what I'm planning to do is to put four bench, uh, two on each side, one with the computer, one with the, um, a big, um, workbench to cut my leather on, uh, another one, uh, in which I'm going to do the dyeing and the tooling of the leather. And the fourth one would just be a big um, workbench to lay my leather uh, flat, uh, mm. protected from the UV light because it's very bad for leather and all that stuff. So in my head, it's already planned. I know where I'm going to put the lights and know where I'm going to put the camera and, and all it's going <laughs> to be working. So I've been thinking about that for months uh, now, but just Ooh, like... Your system on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a lot, lot, lot of ideas and plans that I have, but I was very cautious uh, about that. Like, uh, it's not signed yet. We are not the owner of the of the apartment yet. So don't dream too much. Just mm. wait till it's, it's like done. Uh, and then you're going to be able to make plans and drawings and stuff. But I can't help myself. It's, it's in my head already. So, yeah. Do you have what about you? 
any tools that you're taking over there that are belong to your dad or like that you have to? Oh, man. I, I, no. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't admit that on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I no, was just no, thinking about no. it. So he's going to because then he's going to have the same fun I have. My parents live <laughs> half an hour old and I recently started um, buying into um, like not as an advertisement, but uh, just on the 18 volt system of Makita for like mm -hmm. my battery drill and everything. And my dad is fully, like he's retired now and he's fully set up like all Makita from like the chains or like all the gardening nice. equipment. So I was just like, mm -hmm. yeah, can I borrow some of that stuff? Because I need to work over the weekend in the garden and maybe like, yeah, I could get some stuff done. He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I don't need that stuff at all at the moment. I'm like, Ooh. oh, this is great. So I picked that stuff up on like a Wednesday. Sunday morning, I get the call from my dad. Did, did, did you see that hammer drill? It's like, yeah, I got it. Well, I need it today. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> of course you did. Uh, my, my parents have half an hour away. Like, I basically asked. It's like, <laughs> so are you going to need that in the future? No, no, no. You can have it. Take your time. Like, Sunday, I get the call. I need that. So I'm on my Sunday, get in my car, drive there, <laughs> drop that stuff off, swear to myself, I'm never going to borrow any tools again because it happened like two or three times. Yeah, now it's the other My way My parents around. go on vacation. And I'm like, oh, this is a great opportunity. So I'm getting that gardening stuff and I'm doing the gardening work and everything. And then my mom calls me and is going like, oh, um, by the way, it's like, oh, yeah, the vacation was nice, but it started raining too much. We're on our way back at the moment. And without like even saying anything, yeah, I already too. start like packing the tools in the back of my car. <laughs> and basically just wait like 21 22, 23, ling. Did, did, did you see my stuff? Because the first thing my dad does when he comes home is like, well, I could do something in the garden. Oh, where are my tools? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so I'm just like, at a point where it's like, good thing I have the Makita system now because I'm going to start slowly just buying the shit for myself. The other day I was just like, yeah, and I still have that and that on my wish list. My dad, well, you don't need that. I have it. You can borrow it. I'm like, yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's a cursed proposition to start borrowing tools from your dad. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. I, or the other thing is, I could just take my um, marker and just write my name on him. It's like I don't know where your stuff is. This is mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. evil. I like it. Here it's the other way around. My my dad borrows my tools now uh, because I I bought this Mikita drill and an impact driver, and mm -hmm. he's in love with the impact driver. Uh, so far, he's done everything by hand, but now he's he has this tool that I own and, and he wants to use it all the time. So, oh, it's really nice. It's, it's really nice. As long, as, they don't, as long as they don't like just take it back once in a while so they don't forget it's not actually theirs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's always under my workbench, but sometimes it disappears and, and I search for it. And, and of course, my dad has it because he loves it. Yeah, I, I think it's he's, he's calling for one for Christmas or for his birthday or something like that. It's, it's a way to let me know that it would be nice to, for me to give it to him or to buy him one. So you give him sure. that and you buy yourself a new one. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you've been getting free stuff lately. I mean, yeah, that's right. That's right. I've, I've been super lucky to get new tools that I'm going to, um, show off on, on YouTube. So yeah. Anything um, you want to tease now? Oh, it's going to do with lasers and resin. But again, um, yeah, but I don't want to say too much. Though. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Soon, soon, soon. I have a question for, for John. Um, 
What's um, you recently rented a shop and setting up to to be able to work on your own, as you as you said. Um, what's the thing of the things that make that workshop your workshop? Is that the the tools that are in it? Is it the decoration? Is it the music? Is it is it one spe- specific thing that's yeah, I think hanging the on a wall? An, I think at the moment it's a nine feet anchor. <laughs> Aside from the anchor, is that something? So I'm I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of shops in the near vicinity that have a giant ship anchor in it. So there's that. Uh, I I think just the simple fact that it is a a blacksmithing shop, and yes, I I do welding, I do other kind of metalworking, uh, fabricationy type things. But, you know, there. so it's in, a, it's in a shop area. There are a lot of other shops around me. And I occasionally, so there's a garage door at the front of my shop. And I, I typically forge with it open if the weather is, is warm enough. And I, I have, at times I have looked up from my anvil to see like four or five guys just standing outside the garage. And they're shop people. And I'm like, can I help you guys? And they will look at me and say, yeah, we've just never seen this before. Yeah. Like someone hitting metal on an anvil. We've heard of it. We've seen it in the movies, been in a lot of shops, but we've never actually seen it in action. So I think just the fact that that I'm I'm operating a blacksmith shop in my area sets me apart from most people. Mm. And and what makes your shop your shop? But for you, what what uh, how this space that you started renting became your sanctuary, your your the place where you feel good and you're able to work in. Well, I think it is it is a combination of just the fact that it's got all of my tools in it that I can kind of set them up how I want them to be. Um, I've, I've got some relatively, you know, unique tools. I've, I've got a, you know, a Fisher anvil, which I've had for quite some time. I just got a Henry Wright anvil, which is an incredibly rare anvil that's in the shop and needs to be set up. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, my shop is not decorated really, not yet. Uh, but it's the, the, the thing that makes it my shop is I'm in it. Yeah, it can be I, old. Yeah, it can I'm, be the I'm, fact that it's not decorated, though. That yeah. it, it, you that you like your walls blank. I mean, obviously, mine is is quite the opposite with flags and bugs on the walls and stuff. Uh, but but yeah, it can be just like you you need a blank space with only the tools that you need, and it could be it. I think one of the things that makes it my shop is just the fact that it's it's huge. I, uh, for me, I mean, I went out there looking for relatively small space for a shop, didn't want to be too ambitious. Mm. Um, Like I said, I struggled with that because a lot of the shop spaces out there looked at what I wanted to do and were like, yeah, no, we'd rather you didn't do anything here. And um, so I finally found this space. And instead of, you know, getting like maybe 500, 600, 800 square feet. Uh, it's, it's 1500 square feet. Yeah. That mm, thing's so massive. Yeah. yeah. It is, it is a large shop. So I have the ability and I mean, and, in, and in sensible units, it's uh, just nearly 150 square meters. 
okay. All right. I'll take your word on that. I, I, have, no, I have no idea what it is in liters, though. Uh, the, the funny thing, you have about uh, nine square feet to a square meter. Okay. So for, to make it easy, t- say 10 to 1 and round it downwards. Oh, okay. All right. I will keep that in mind. Um, not that that'll be useful anywhere here in America because we don't do your communist well, metric. If, if you want to brag. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, so on, on a side note, uh, so I am a technical writer uh, for the United States Navy and over on the Navy side, although they do use imperial units, some of the time metric plays a much larger role over there. So so we I do work with metric rather often. Um, Sino, do you think that the, the, the United States will have at some point to change the, the system for the metric one? Because I believe there is only three countries in the world that are using the imperial system. Uh, yeah, so not in my lifetime, and and granted, I am relatively old. Um, but <laughs> nah, nonetheless, nonetheless uh, no, we are. It's so it is. It's really hard to make a change like that in a big country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got just it's it's a lot of people who are used to using this thing. I I don't think it's ever going to be a big like you wake up one morning and everything is in meters rather than yards uh kilograms rather than pounds i think it is going to be a slow progression where different disciplines within the united states will start to pick up metric more than imperial yeah and slowly but slowly the the change the change will come okay i i believe actually that the u.s officially has adopted the metric system to use with communication with other countries. Mm-hmm. But and this, unless they're building um, like Mars rovers or something like that. <laughs> was it a yeah, satellite yeah, or no, rover? There was, yeah. there was um, a rocket launch that went wrong because someone filled it up in... It was supposed to be filled up according to a unit measured in... Cubic meters of fuel, and it was filled up with cubic feet or the other way around. Yeah, inches. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it blew up on the launch pad instead, which was uh, sad because people were on board. Oh, um, but yeah. but I mean, one, one of the, sort of the whole imperial metric thing, uh, as far as I understood, uh, the U.S. struggle with the fact that you have a lot of old machinery that is on the imperial standard. Hmm. And yes. So, so even producing materials that is metric wouldn't be feasible as long as those machines are working. And just thinking of giant steel yard pumping in quarter inch steel, like yeah, it's a, it's a fractional difference between a quarter inch and six mil, but it's a difference. And there's a lot of other machines that account for that difference. Mm-hmm. Also, ninety degree Fahrenheit are um, a lot more comfortable than ninety degrees Celsius. yeah but but not not 90 degrees fahrenheit though isn't very comfortable if you're a blacksmith no it's not which is which is actually one of the directions i'm moving in with my shop is so during the summertime uh, i i do forge but i don't love it as much because at 90 degrees i you know i have to take rests i have to hydrate more well try it, try 90c 
but one of the things I'm thinking of doing is setting up, and I think I told Red this, uh, is I want to set up a uh, leather shop as well as a, a chasing and repose shop uh, in the because I actually have offices in the back of my shop. I've oh, got nice. three separate rooms in oh, the back. Oh, you fancy. Yeah, I am. I, I, was, like I, said, I was kind of amazed when I got this space because it is very versatile. Uh, but I want to set up a leather shop and uh, a small kind of jewelry chasing repose shop in the back. And that will allow me. So during the summertime, when it is 90, 95, instead of not going to the shop because I know I'll die if I try to forge, I can do something in the back that is that doesn't require, you know, gigantic, you know, me like pointing a gas furnace at myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, the- I, I, I have the same habit. I, also, uh, I, I think 90 Fahrenheit is 30 something low 30s degrees centigrade. It is. Yeah. It's, it's around it's I think it's around 32 yeah. 32 yeah, or so it yes. come to Norway that's hell on earth um yeah and, and and sort of my habit also is like all of July I just take off I just don't do hot work during July mm-hmm. and yeah. that is in like granted that was in the tiny forge I had at the museum which would heat up a lot using the gas forge yeah. uh but but also just when Norway for that one week hit 25 in uh, 25 uh, C, which would be probably 80 something. Uh, it's like, I'm dying. I, I can't do that. 25 so, is like the mid 70s, high 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you are our residential converter today. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't do that to me. You just volunteered. It's your fault. But, but what, I, what I love to do is at this time of year when it's really cold and around me, there are a lot of shops that are not hot shops. And I see those guys coming out of the shop, like mm-hmm. all bundled up and like five sets of gloves and three hats. And I've got my <laughs> passports going and I'm in a t-shirt and I can just look at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is the, the best, the base, best maker craft at this time of year, a little rougher in the summertime. Yeah. People going by freezing to death and wondering why Santa Claus is walking around in his like bathing shorts inside the shop. <laughs> um, He's referring to you, John. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Red, I have a question. Um, yeah. In terms of, would would you do you do you like having a shop in your home? It's um, I'm divided about that. I'm, I'm I I kind of like it for the the practical um, aspect of it. Like uh, it's 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 always there. So if I if I need to de- to rush something, if I need to finish a project when everybody's sleeping, uh, I can still go back in there and work and keep working till I'm tired and 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 till I I had enough. Uh, the downside of having your your workshop at home is that there is no transition between your private le- life and your and your professional life. It's always there, so you are constantly thinking about the project that's next to you, like two meters away, and you don't commute, so you don't have the five, ten, twenty minutes to just 
unplug your brain from work and and become the husband, father, or just man that you are, and 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 get back to your habits or hobbies or or private life. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's something that is re- re- relatively new to me because um, I, I was used to commute to go to work, and now that I'm working from home. Uh, it's like, yeah, there's no transition. Uh, I go, I go eat my dinner with the family. When, when family is done, I can go back in the workshop, which is nice if I have something to do, but which, which is also not nice because I would like to spend time with the family and having the option to go get back in the shop that quickly just, um, doesn't make uh, a clear um, differentiation or wall or or gap between professional and personal personal life sorry mm. I think so that it's, it's good also, and bad i think it's also because it's work for you like it's 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 your your income you work because yeah. i i freaking love it having it my workshop in the same like house and i mm. still have to go out of the um main door and then just take a ride because the workspace is only accessible from the outside. Yeah. But uh, it's, for me, it's like I had ideas. Like I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning with an idea and I snuck out of bed and just down into the workshop. <laughs> I mean, I can't start banging on stuff because my wife would kill me, but or the neighbors, whoever's faster. But um, it's still like the, ch- the chance of going into the workshop at like in the middle of the night because of a fluke or an idea that else would have never happened. Because I'm not gonna like get into clothes and like drive somewhere to my workshop. Yeah, so, that, I mean, just just so we're clear, in a contest between who's gonna be faster killing you, it's always gonna be your wife. Probably, oh, yeah. Yeah, your yeah. Wife. yeah. She's yeah. closer. <laughs> she probably knows the shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I has the spare key to the workshop. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's interesting because we had, you know, this was part of a, a workshop we had at my day job about burnout and specifically with regards to telework because my, my day job is 10 feet that way. Yeah. And talking about how there's no transition, like, you know, for most people, you wake up in the morning and you drive to work and you listen to a podcast and drink a coffee in the end. But there is there is a gap between waking up and and going and being at your job and now at least for my day job there isn't i i wake up and my commute is about eight feet Mm. to get to the computer whereas with my blacksmithing i've I've got about a 20 25 minute drive to get to my shop which i actually i like i like having that break I, i it was also invaluable to me during the pandemic because where most people were trapped in their homes, I had this other place I could go to. Yeah. So you, you basically switch one for the other, right? Now you're working from home. You, you, you have no commute, but you still have one when you, when you go to your workshop. Yeah. If I, if I understood correctly, Raz, your shop is like 10 meters away from where you live, right? Yeah. So your commute is not that long. It's not in the same house like me, but it's it's like across the garden or across the field. So how do you deal with the the lack of switch or the lack of of time that you need to get to the to the workshop? Uh, I 
don't. You don't. So you're like mm. me and you're constantly thinking about, about work because you we, know we, that it's yeah. just there. We've talked about this many times before. Like I, uh, I almost on purpose, I don't have a separation between work life and private life. It's all big mess of priorities. It's one, not a big mess. It's just one big pile of priorities that I sort through. So like something that is equally as urgent in my private life, get the same priority as something that's urgent in the business because they both need to happen. Uh, like everything around me sort of start to fall apart if I don't prioritize things correctly. Uh, so that's sort of my solution, but uh, I come to realize that, uh, I separate mostly like private time and work time by whether, by putting on podcast and listening to a podcast while doing things, mm -hmm. uh, and, or whether I have like the, the, the desktop over that ways, if I have that on at all. So I power that off completely when I am supposed to sit here and do work because then I'm actually focused on what I'm supposed to be focusing on. Mm -hmm. okay. And then, of course, when I have lunch, I'll turn that off. I'll turn that on and turn this off and I'll watch YouTube there or something and kick back. So I have like that bit of framework that changes things. Okay. But also, like, I'll take my laptop and sit in the sofa and write there. Or I'll, yeah, or I'll actually go for a walk and think on things or do errands and then come back and go into a different mode. So I'll try to use the things I need to do to transition from one mode to another because I don't have any actual sort of locomotion going on mm -hmm. in my commute. Yeah. So I make up one, so to speak. I think that makes home office for us like a lot easier. Yeah. I have one, one last question for you guys, uh, talking about workshop because we are closing to one hour. So, um, Jan, if you had to change workshop if you had to uh, go somewhere else because i don't know you you need this room and and you have the budget so you are renting a shop and you are setting your shop up your new shop uh, what is the one thing that you would absolutely need in that work, new workshop to make it your own and to be able to work in it oh that's a good question because i'm But like I said, I'm usually not, I'm doing a lot Bear of different on things. Tap? Would that be a thing? <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> I could, I could probably <laughs> install that at home without having, get, getting any complaints. Um, that actually is a good question. I would love to have the space for an anvil and a forge. Not gonna mm -hmm. lie. Like this is one of the top priorities. Um, but for the part I'm actually doing a lot is it would probably be CNC machines, like enough space and the electricity to run uh, like five axis, like a small five axis CNC. Mm -hmm. That nice. would be something I would definitely like. Yeah, that, that I think uh, even before that, because blacksmith, you can get away with like the small forge that I have with like the mobile blacksmithing, I can get away with that. I cannot put mm -hmm. a five axis CNC in the, in the trunk of my car. That's yeah. just not possible. Mm. John, what about you? So it, it's, it, it, it's an interesting because it forces me to think about infrastructure versus tooling. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if, if I were to get a, a piece of equipment like today, um, like wave a magic wand, it would be a power hammer. Yeah. 
Um, I don't have a power hammer right now. I have the room for a power hammer, but I, I don't have one. And I, I hope to get one sometime in the next year and a half mm -hmm. if I can swing it. So power hammers. But I think what I would rather do is uh, so I do have 220 power in my shop, but mm -hmm. only one plug. So I think what I would really love if I went into a new space is have like shop power all over the place. Yeah. because getting getting shop power expanded out further around the shop is is incredibly expensive to do it's it's a lot of work it's also very uh, it disrupts the shop so that way i could have a power hammer and a cnc machine and whatever other like you know high voltage shop voltage uh, equipment that i want to move in there so i i think yeah. i would i would want more versatile electrics because that opens the door to more, more serious tooling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Raz, what about you? I'm, I'm actually torn between getting a power hammer in this magical dream scenario uh -huh. and getting a separate room for teaching classes. Yeah, uh, makes sense. For, for honest, honestly, I, I've used a power hammer once in my life. Uh -huh. I think maybe twice. So I basically have no idea what to do with it. I mean, like Ellen described here earlier, it's like, it's a sewing machine. It just, you push the thread, it goes quicker and faster and hits harder and softer. So it's like, I, yeah, I know how it functions. I know how to put it into my routine or rather, I don't know how to efficiently put it into my routine. I just know how to make, put things under it and hit it. Yeah, but I, I think that the it's not always the need that, that requires the tool. The the when you have the tool, you will find a use for it. I mean oh, it can, can work that and way as well. Don't get me right? wrong. I really, really want the power hammer. <laughs> uh it's just in the sense of I think just from what the things I'm actually making and the way my business is set up at the moment, uh -huh. I think it would be a better option for me to just magically have a spare room with uh -huh. set up with six forges and six anvils and just and equipment for six students and just have them at it yeah like also like money wise that probably would be way more expensive to set up than getting just a power hammer mm -hmm. because power hammer could be like a 15 kilo anyang or a tire hammer or something like that yeah um but of course like dream scenario dream shop i would have a, at least couple of power hammers at least a press <laughs> at least a private press uh and then the room for all the students to do their yeah. shenanigans in right yeah and blades right. uh, uh you you said the basic answer and the the the, the five axes and the power hammer are, are, are great and i want them as well uh i mean i i'm same thing i i don't know what i would do with a power hammer because i'm not forging that much since i've hurt my my um my arm uh but I, i'm really planning on going back to it uh at spring during spring uh in a few months uh, because it's too cold out there right now um and a power you don't have winter press would also fix most of those issues yeah, probably. Um, uh, a bridge port would be nice because I, I sometimes have ideas for projects uh, that would require having a bridge port to just mill some some parts to make the project uh, just just make sense. Uh, but to be honest, um, it's something that I couldn't work without in a shop is basically just music and 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 movies. Um, 
when when I'm outside in a garage or in the in the forge, I'm constantly listening to music or podcast, but most of the time it's music. Um, and when I'm working here, I'm using the computer to to watch movies. Not really watch, but listen to movies uh, because I. I've, I don't want to say that I've seen all the movies, but <laughs> I've, I've seen, I've, I've seen a lot. So rewatching them without having to, uh, look at the screen is also sometimes good because I just have to, I remember the, 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 the movies, the story and, and the performances mm. of the actor. So I'm just listening to the dialogue and, 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 oh yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm working with it. So that's something I, I couldn't work without, uh, music or, or our movies, uh, to be honest, but yeah, so, Polo Armour would be great. Even a small one. <laughs> so are you, so are you saying that in your dream shop, you would add like a live stage? Um, yeah, <laughs> it could be nice. Like, like bands to supply you with your own, like, oh, I would, I would love that. An orchestra or band. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the, I was, I was saying that to, to Steve and, and the guys on the WhatsApp uh, group the other day. Um, there, there is this movie called Underground, um, directed by Emir Kotso. It's a, 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 a few years back. It was probably in the nineties. It was about the, the Bosnia and, and Kosovo war. I don't remember exactly, but, um, it, it it's basically the idea or the, the story of a guy living underground for many, many years because of the of the war and and he doesn't know that the war uh, is over so he stays on the ground and the day goes out it's it's all all that shit it's it's kind of a wow. f- funny sad story and in that movie there is a guy uh, constantly followed by a band playing loud music with all the 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 brass instrument and all the stuff so which is completely insane but great and so we went to the cinema with a friend and and we had this fantasy of renting a bad band for a whole day uh, just for them to follow us everywhere we we go <laughs> in 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 the city just to have fun with it uh, so yeah maybe a stage on my shop with a band playing different music through the day would be would be nice. I would. I would love that. Would be nice to have a live band playing just for you. I'm, I'm just having sure. the space in the workshop for a live band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really yeah, sure. space. What it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure having your own band in the shop is the ultimate maker flex. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Jimmy, flex, if you're okay. listening to that uh, podcast, just <laughs> just just put a, a stage on the corner of your uh, big shop, please. One day. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. cool, cool so cool. should 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 we tell people what we actually did this week now that we have finished with introduction? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> what have you done, Raz? Uh, I I have I made two ads today. You two made two what? Ads, like the not axe but the vertical one. Ah, know, okay. A different, a different angled one. Okay. So uh, I had a customer before Christmas, well, probably actually last summer, asked me uh, about making uh, a copy of the Viking ads found in the Mastomir found, the, the ironwork or the, um, the blacksmith chest found in the March in Sweden. Okay. Oh, nice. Uh, and, and it's a lot of, like, it, it's, I think it's the best and only comp- more or less complete tool chest from the Viking Age ever found. Mm-hmm. And it is from a blacksmith. So it, it, there's a drift in there. There's a couple of hammers. There are chisels, branches, and a few other bits and bobs, and also like spare hinges and things he made to sell, it seems. Uh, in his collection, 
woodworking tools. So I made two of them today because making only one is stupid and inefficient. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So I did that today and I probably did others very smart thing early in the week, but I have forgotten. What about you, Jan? What have you done this week? Um, I work. <laughs> I'm, I'm back at it. No, but um, for my free time, I cleaned up the workshop. I started filming again, but... Nice. Yeah, just a little bit of pipe work, trying out... Um, are you going to talk about the little things that you showed us? Because they are great. Yeah. <laughs> I started nice. painting miniatures again. Yeah, it's nice. that kind of the year. It's cold outside. The workshop is warm. I busted out my airbrush. Um, I wanted to try, get better at it. And I'm just playing around a little bit, um, painting minis. Do you, do you yeah. want to say specifically what you're painting? Um, yeah, that, I mean, it doesn't really matter because like, I don't... It's more Warhammer models, Warhammer 40k. For the listener that knows what I'm talking about. I used to play that, for a long I time. I yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I stopped for even longer time. And um, I just had that box of um, Adeptus Mechanicus, the Skitari laying around. So I painted mm. those up. I have no plans on playing it, but I just painting miniatures is Yet. something I've been on and off for since I'm, I think 12 years old. I started with Warhammer, so it's always going to be m my love, but it, I... I I have a huge package of like old minis laying around. I'm I'm talking like 1990s. So I cannot wait to just nostalgic paint some of them up. But yeah, so this, this that's what I've been doing. Um, started painting again. It's glorious. It's so much fun. Makes the time fly by way too fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about you? Brad? Done? Uh, me? Uh, I've, I've been... Uh doing mostly paperwork uh for the business because it needed i was a little bit late uh on that so i needed to catch up to start the year um on a positive clean desk uh also a lot of paperwork with the bank to finalize the project that i've been talking about like the buying the, the apartment the condo thing uh so it's going its way slowly but surely which is great um and I've also been working with two companies in order to get free tools, as, as uh, mentioned earlier. So, yeah, I, I guess I can talk a little bit about, about that quickly. Uh, one is the um, company that I've already worked with on the laser engraver mm -hmm. that I tested uh, and started working with a few weeks back. So it was my first one and they were apparently happy with the video. So they are sending, they have sent me a second one, a little bit bigger for me to test and compare with the uh, previous one, which was great. But for the uh, um, leather working, it's a little bit small. I mean, it's an uh, 18 centimeter by 18 centimeter engraving area. Uh, so when you want to make pieces of armor or like an arm, arm guard, which is already 25 centimeter long, uh, it's kind of diff difficult mm. to engrave or cut uh, big pieces. So the second one is a little bit bigger. It must be 30 by 30 or something like that, which uh, it's great. Um, and on the good advice of Jan, I've uh, contacted a company uh, to ask them if they would be interested to work with me on um, uh, resin 3D 
printer. printer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, to my big surprise, they said yes. So they are sending me one, which is great. Um, so um, I'm, I've been into 3D printing for two or three years now. Uh, I'm, I'm not printing like crazy all day, uh, and, and, and decos always like Jimmy, but I'm wrong to do, to not do it because it, it, it's cool. It's, it's te- technology is always a good toy and tool. Um, so it's, it's, it's great fun to just model stuff and to print them. Uh, the, the PLA uh, 3D printers are nice, but I've always been a little bit frustrated by the 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 layers quality, that the, the, the quality, quality yeah absolutely yeah and when I, on a complete different level it's fantastic yeah when i saw the the the, the prints that you can get with the um, resin 3d printer i was like ah that's that's what i wanted from the very beginning be so right. yeah yeah <laughs> grab it because it's that that's really cool looking um so yeah i i just took my chance uh send them an email um and 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 just put in print print Zinted myself, introduced myself, and what I'm doing and what I intend to do with it. And they said, "Yeah, sure, um, good idea. So let's work together." And so they are they are sending nice. me a printer. Uh, I don't know whether I will receive it, but I'm I'm really lo- looking forward to it because the quality is just insane, and I have plans to combine leather laser engraving and laser cutting and 3D printing. So Ooh. look at that beauty that. Yeah, uh, as in his end. It's absolutely fantastic piece that you can only get with a resin 3D printer, right? Yeah, and I didn't do any work on the, the seams on it. Um, it's a 3D printed dragon that I'm going to paint up. And it is multiple Stunning. parts, but the, the, just the detail is fantastic. Yeah. You can't see any layer lines on it. And yeah, that's, that's like, magnificent. Yeah. It, yeah. So, so, yes, yeah. this is... This is one of the reasons why I started painting again. Sorry, Red. I just wanted to show you. Guys. No, no, no. You, yeah, I, I was, I was thinking, talking about that. So yeah, that's great. That's the, when I've seen what those machines can do. Now I was like, that's exactly what I need uh, to uh, to make the ideas that stupid ideas that I have in mind um, a thing. Um, so yeah, took my chance. It worked. So I'm I'm looking forward to be working with yeah. them. Model uh, prop making is freaking. <laughs> glorious with those yeah john what about you so my my last week or so has been me moving stuff around the shop to accommodate the the new gas forge that is coming in as well as the fly press tell us about the gas forge i forgot so the gas forge is actually a gas forge at the steel yard. It's not new. It, it was made by another blacksmith and it has been at the steel yard um, for quite some time not being used. And it is it is not um, a lot of refractory and all of that. It, it is basically fire bricks with a roof on it. And that way you can kind of customize the interior so I can do much larger pieces. I can do a series of pieces if I want to. I could heat up something as long as like a a short sword or several axe heads if I wanted to. So it is a much more versatile, heavy duty forge. So Mm -hmm. there's that. And then the fly press, it is it is not a large fly press, um, but it is also a tool at the steel yard that's been there for quite some time, not being used. 
And so I'm going to pull it into the shop. It just needs a little restoration work and it should be good to go. But I'm very interested in fly press tooling and ways that it can help me with some of the production work that I do. So I'm, I'm anxious to get, get into that. So that, and I've also been, and I realize we haven't been talking about the obvious thing for the first podcast of the year, which is resolutions. Um, but I've been working on, uh, so 2022, I really want to work on more kind of singular functional art for friends, for family, for myself. I also want to focus more on just art. Mm-hmm. So nice. things, just metal sculpture that sits on a surface and you look at it and that's kind of it. Um, because I've been similar to Rasmus, I've, I've been operating more or less a production shop mm-hmm. where I'm making bottle openers and chopsticks and bookcase brackets and stuff like that in sending it out. And I, I kind of, I, I mean, I, I got into this because it's, it's my creativity. So I'm planning out some more creative, less functional types of projects that I think are going to be more fun for me. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, so basically with that, with that, you mean doing less production work or you mean in addition to production work? In adi- so the production work isn't going to go away because there, there's money there and, and people want chopsticks and people want bottle openers and all of the other things. At the same time, the production work gets repetitive. And I think you have to be careful of letting something that you love become yet another dreary job. Yeah. Yep. And so this is a way for me to kind of, you know, I, I kind of miss the days at the steel yard when I would go in and I would dive my hand into the quench bucket and come up with all sorts of scrap metal and decide <laughs> I'm going to do that with this. I'm going to do that with this. And and every night I went in, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, it was just pure creativity by way of quench bucket diving. And I've kind of gotten away from that. And now I want to move a little bit more towards like pure creativity, pure art. Mm-hmm. Nice. But that's, that's the beautiful thing about it, which actually gives you the freedom in the end is you have the freedom on doing whatever you want. Yep. So you doing bottle openers and chopsticks right now is a choice you're doing. It's not necessarily because you have to. So right. it gives you the freedom to change it over once it gets boring. Yeah. Well, and I will I will say a distinction between myself and Rasmus, I believe, is that the other thing that gives me more freedom is that I've got a day job. Mm. Yeah. Whereas Rasmus Rasmus's blacksmithing is his day job. So so I actually and I appreciate the, the privilege that comes along with this. I can afford to be to say I'm going to do less production work and do more pure art type work uh, without impacting like whether or not I eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's always the discussion we three have because yeah. Rasmus and Red doing it full time. And for me, it's just my <laughs> escape from my day job. Yeah. But it's, it's also the interesting notion of sort of knowing that as long as I spend enough time in the forge actually producing things, I make rent. It doesn't actually matter what I make anymore. 
mm-hmm. because it, like at least at this point I have enough uh, like wares lying around that if I need to make money I just put it out on Instagram right and more often than not it, someone just reaches out and say hey that's cool I like that and that's I, I feel really lucky to have reached that point but also it's like oh Valentine's is coming up I I I have five roses left I probably should have at least 20 or 25 at the moment mm. so and I should be making those, but it's more like, oh yeah, like like today when working on the ads, it's like a 20 mil square, it's heating up. I'm doing the cold work on the roses, just knocking a couple of those out, then doing the hot work. Then that's heating up and I'm relaxing by forging more stuff in between. It Relaxing doesn't work that way, apparently. Um, <laughs> Depends. Yeah, and, but it's, it's different muscles and different techniques, so it's fine, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Should we crack on to the focus, or did, did did you have any last points, John? No, I think that's that's all the points I've got. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> you just save something for the rest of the year. Uh, I I can start because I'm already talking. Okay. While, 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 while you scramble to figure out what you're actually focusing on this week, uh, I I yesterday, uh, well, now recording yesterday, uh, tested released a video of. Uh, Adam Savage's Epiphany on the Science of Measurement, which is a long video, but okay. it's it's the kind of video that sort of is su- su- superbly mind-blowing, uh, relating to sort of how to measure things, how finely you can measure things, and how, the nature of actually measuring things accurately. Mm-hmm. And the only thing it actually did is make Tony Rillo of uh, uh, Hillview Mount Wood Metal look even more like a wizard because I only watched this video once and I'm like, cool. Now I know the names of all the things I don't know, but I don't know anything yet. Yeah. But it's, it's like, so one of the most amazing things that Adam does in the video is he takes like these parallel blocks that are like, uh, superbly flattened to a specific thickness. Mm-hmm. And he can, because they're so flat, he can just push them together and, the Freaks suction the of the flat surfaces would just make them stick together, yeah. together. And just see him do that is like magic. I have some in the shop. Next time you come, I will show you them. Oh, I want to play with that kind of things. Oh yeah, my uh, dad my dad had all the tools and, and some are really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So, long story short, uh, if you uh, really want to nerd about uh, measuring things. Uh, it's my daily job. i'm going by the if it looks straight (laughs) that's that's the freedom i have (laughs) getting out of work okay i have measuring equipment it will be it will be in the description notion thing yeah yeah Yeah, next um focus 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 um focus this week it's been uh, mainly, well, I was pleasantly surprised today by and completely shocked by seeing that Dan oh, released fact. a video in like that was mine. Years. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> never let me go first. <laughs> let, let's do a joined focus. Exactly. It's it's Dan from Wonky Workshop. He yeah. did a job or a video about actually making. I didn't think that his um, first video in a long time would actually be about politics <laughs> no but i love that i completely agree with him um in almost all of the points that he brought up uh he has an interesting view on it and uh yeah i, I just th- thoroughly enjoyed the video yeah yeah 
same thing uh so dan from wonky workshop uh wonky workshops let me say it properly the video is how to be a maker um it's great great point of view great input from from dan i agree with uh, everything that he said uh, and i really hope that he will keep on doing that kind of video where he just give uh his point of view on stuff and 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 one of the next or future video could be how to set up a workshop or what happens when you enjoy yourself or when you fail or whatever um his, his input is very valuable uh to me uh he's a great maker great friend great man so yeah um go watch uh, this video and, and follow him on all the socials. John, your turn. No, I, I'm, me? I'm, I'm just impressed that you managed to see a see already both find the videos of that was released two hours ago yeah. as of recording. Yeah, just before yes. the recording, I was watching it. So, so yeah, we're, we're, we are all in the same club because I finished watching it moments before I came on this podcast and so raz yeah. you're late to the party yeah, i was right. eating <laughs> like, like, like usual. <laughs> when are so you not was, eating yeah how is that different from any other moment of your day um <laughs> well I so, currently yeah. i'm not eating but fine be that way oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I do recommend that everybody go check out dan's dan's new video and i agree i i hope we hope he releases more um so i i actually have uh three focuses i'll i'll work through them pretty quickly um one one is a relatively small youtube channel it's only got i think between five and six thousand uh the followers Axon Anvil, which is the channel of Jordan Goodwin. He is a blacksmith in the south, southern part of the United States. And he is primarily working with hand tools, no power hammer. He's he's almost kind of a reenactment blacksmith. And I like oh, I like okay. his channel because it shows that you can do a lot of stuff without a power hammer a forge press, a fly press, all of these relatively modern to even not so modern tools. So that is that is a channel I'm enjoying. Um, another one will be more familiar to the metal workers out there, Joshua Delisle. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he's he good. is. Yeah, he is a British. He falls under blacksmithing very often, but he's really he is the opposite of Jordan Goodwin in that he uses all of the tools. So he forges, he fabricates, he machines, he does a little bit of everything um, related to me talking about sculpture. His sculptures are fantastic. Um, so I've been looking at his stuff a lot lately, trying to figure out like my approaches to doing sculpture. And then the third is kind of a, an, an outlier. So one of the things that I've started doing recently is is getting back to sketching, mm -hmm. uh, just on on paper, pencil, paper, ink. Um, it's something I did many many years ago, like as a teen, and I kind of fell out of it in my early twenties. And, and I've started doing it again. And so I've started picking up some YouTube YouTube channels that I like to watch. And one of them is, and this is not a small channel. It's got just shy of a million subscribers. Um, Peter Draws. 
which is the channel of Peter Delgidich. And he is so, A, I really like his artwork, but he is such a delightfully weird guy. Like he will be like doing a demonstration of using a pen and all of a sudden he somehow works that into cooking a hot dog with a butane torch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that, and, that sounds like my kind of way. <laughs> and he does it, and he does it like with absolute, like like he just does it straight all the way through. And so it's just you know, so it's not very instructional, wow. but I just I just like watching him work, and I I like I like his quirkiness. So if if you're looking for something that is kind of quirky, and also he's a fantastic artist, uh, Peter draws. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, oh, just looking at his. Sorry. Yeah, that, no, I'm just saying the same thing. He looks, he looks really interesting. Just looking mm. from the banner picture and his thumbnail or his portrait photo, yeah. it's like, ooh, this is an interesting human being. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, he is. He is enthusiastically and aggressively weird. <laughs> nice. Ooh. And, yeah, I, and I, I, I say I, that I say that as a compliment. That is that is flattery as far as I'm concerned. Nice. I, I'll probably binge some of his later on. Yeah. Same thing. Not, not that I, because I also have been meaning to learn how to draw better for, well, since forever. Uh, but more and more, I find myself like, oh, I wish I actually could il- draw a good illustration of this instead of having to go to the workshop and stylize it and take a picture yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. So that is so, and and so me me drawing is kind of a thing I'm doing for me. Uh, I, I don't know that I'll ever show anybody my sketch work and the fact that I'm saying I'm not going to show anybody has made it a, a lot more easier for me to re-engage with it. Mm. At the same time, though, I have had customers come to me and say, I'm I'm looking for this and I'll come back with an idea and they'll say, can, can you draw that for me? And I, I say, no, no, I can't. <laughs> Be, you know, and and I also don't know how to use Fusion 360 or SketchUp or anything like that. So it is. It would be nice to have at least some way to present my concepts yeah. um, to to a customer, to anybody. Um, so it yeah. is related to that as well. I've that's that's one of those things. I like. I I don't feel like I can draw at all, but I have learned to draw enough that I can relay an idea to a customer. Mm-hmm. And that has helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, but it, it also has the whole sense of whenever customers come to me, I always ask them, can you give me a sketch? Right. Mm-hmm. And every now, yep. now, now every, like one in five is either someone who has a clear idea in their mind and can give me a sketch or there is someone who is a, a tradie and like knows like, here's all the measurements you need. It's not a complete picture, but it's everything you need. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's brilliant, like getting a cardboard template cut out to the shape they want with the extra curves drawn in and all that, like, brilliant. That's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Saves me hours. Cool. But I think, I think that's it. I think we need to round off because okay. we are not trying to compete with Joe Rogan like the Makers Waffles guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, do you want to go on and just tell people where they can find you and how many tentacles you have for sale? 
<laughs> makes it sound like I'm running a sushi shop. Uh, so I am at, you can, if you go on the internet and you search either John D. Harvey or JDH Metalcraft, you will probably find me. So I, I believe on Instagram, I'm just John D. Harvey. Uh, it's and John D. Harvey as well on my website, which is woefully under updated. Um, Twitter, that's which that's, that, that's why people have websites just to show what yeah, what it yeah. should have been. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pathetic, really. Um, I am on Twitter. I don't post a lot, but John D. Harvey underscore com c o m. Um, Facebook, I don't really use for my blacksmithing at all. It is, it is all just a, a personal space, but yeah, primarily find me and, and hopefully at some point later this year, I'll be able to promote my YouTube channel a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You mean more shop, update, shop, update, yeah. shop update, shop <laughs> update, <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, just, I honestly like the few videos you have up there has always been quite delightful. Yes. Even though it's just it's a small thing of, you did it just two or three at the beginning of the pandemic when you got the new space? Yeah, I, I started doing like, as I was bringing stuff into the shop and kind of just, just the walk around with the phone type of thing. Yeah. And, and I fell out of that practice. Um, I'm thinking of getting back into both doing that, but I'd also like to film like, actual videos of of me working as opposed to just pointing my camera at new things in the shop i i know for a fact that i would really look forward to watching whatever you will be filming yeah i Same think time. all of us okay excellent well at least i know there's three people who will be watching <laughs> well two-thirds but yes <laughs> <Two-thirds>. <laughs> good callback good callback we're, we're trying to be professional um doesn't always work usually doesn't but uh I'm yeah just no, gonna you, continue you, i was trying to no <laughs> uh, you see what i have to deal with here john yeah so you can you can find me under nerd inventor on all the usual social media mainly youtube insta and twitter and you can find me at theretsmith.com or retsmith or theretsmith everywhere this is where I'm last. Uh, you can find me at Rasmus Lowen everywhere and lowensmeer.no if you are Norwegian or Norwegianly inclined or something. And you can find the podcast at Two Thirds Focused on all of the mostly social places, including email, because now I know what the email address is. <laughs> it's about thank time. You for listening. And thank you, John, for joining us today. Thank you, yeah, John. Thank you. It was huge fun. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank bye you bye, so everybody. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.